listening to a podcast from Light FM. Good morning, it's a light breakfast with Asha and Terry and on State of the Nation this week. Our focus is education and today we're going to be looking at a bit of a hot topic for parents dealing with the DLP or dual language program. Mm. Our guest today is founder of the Parent Action Group for Education Malaysia, better known as Paige Datin Noor Azima. Morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Asha. We really appreciate you joining us here today and we're going to dive straight in. Let's jump into the issue right now. From a parent's point of view, is the dual language program, the DLP, important in our education system? It is extremely important because um, it enhances proficiency in the English language through the application of the English language in the subjects of science and mathematics. In fact, uh, it's not just a program as some people seem to think. Mm. It is actually a culmination of what was written in the Malaysian Education Blueprint, which focused, among many things, the enhancement of the English language proficiency. This was picked up by the Prime Minister's office at that time, and we decided to get stakeholders together and these were just were not just any stakeholder but captains of industry business right. people and educators and influencers from all walks of life and we sat down for a whole month brainstorming as to how we're going to improve english proficiency in schools and after all that uh, we came up with the dual language program i want to ask because for a lot of perhaps younger people the understanding of why that's important, especially with regard to the sciences and mathematics. Could you just give us a bit of a a snapshot overview of that? Well, globally, you know that the language of knowledge for STEM is the English language. Mm. There's no doubt about it. It's not not any other. In fact, uh, if... You know, people would say, why can't the, the Japanese can do it, the Germans can do it, etc., etc. It's not anymore because, in fact, even even the Japanese, they will take, you know, literature from the developed countries, which is written in English, and they will translate the, the, the subject matter in three days. Right. We can't do right. that, yeah. you know. And by the time, even if we did, the, by the time we, we, we do it, it's probably four years down the road. Right. And it's all obsolete, mm-hmm. you know. And I- even even Germany, for instance, after World War Two, it didn't become language and knowledge anymore. Mm-hmm. So it is English. So this, this point that people keep making and trying to point out over and over again is actually a moot point already because these languages and these countries that use um, the, the language that you just mentioned, they've already implemented a system in which they can quickly translate things from English into that language and we don't have that uh, machinery in place just yet. Definitely. In fact, the first book uh, that came out on biotechnology, one of the founders of uh, the Science and Maths and English uh, policy in the year 2000, he took this book, uh, the late Datuk Harun Hassan, he took this book to Ton Mahade at the time. Ton mm. Mahade was Prime Minister and he said, you know, Ton M, you must look at this book. Can you translate it so that into BM so we can, we can learn the content in the book? And Ton M told him, no, we haven't got the translators. You have to do it yourself. So by the time this man sat down and did it, it was four years down the road and all the content had, had become obsolete. Right. So right. this is why uh, PPSMI at that time was formulated so that we can learn the language of STEM without having to translate. Could you, if it's possible, in a nutshell, walk us through what's happened since the program was implemented? 
Well, in- immediately when the DLP was implemented in 2016, there were immediately 300 schools which uh, were selected to do DLP. And not only that, there were schools who were screaming to be part of that 300 schools. Hmm. By then, it's expanded. And I think we have about, uh, what, 1,600 schools, primary schools, and wow. 800 uh, secondary schools. But if you look at the percentages, it's actually only 20% of primary schools. And if in some schools, there's just one DLP class. And the case of secondary schools, it's 33%. In some schools, it's just pure science classes which are offering English in science and maths, you know. So I think this is not good enough. In fact, there are funny, funny things being happening in schools now. For instance, the criteria for DLP is three things. One, parents must give written consent. Mm-hmm. Two, teachers must be ready. And three, there must be resources, you mm. know, which is quite easy to meet. But along the way, I think there was some attempt to appease language nationalists. And they put in this fourth criteria, mm. whereby if the school doesn't meet the national average for Bahasa Malaysia, you can't even think about applying to be a DLP school, which right. is quite silly yeah. because half the schools don't meet the national average for BM. So, so they, they can't even attempt to apply for DLP. That's interesting because also when they base criteria on the, the national average, is it a score based on the exams that are run in the school or is yeah. it based on the national exam? They wait for the exams for, of the first national exam to yeah. test that out. Yes. How, how is this grading yes, 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 done yes. So it's either level? Before it was UAPSR, now it's school-based uh, assessments, right? So at, at, you, at standard 6, you have your, your school average okay. for BM and then at SPM, you have your school average okay. and you compare it against the national average right so if your figure is below that you can't even apply for DLP which is silly Can because I- because the next question that arises is if these schools that cannot apply for DLP are mm. already in a Bahasa Malaysia environment Ooh, why right. is it they're not meeting the national average this should be the focus yeah actually that's you know? yeah, that's a good yeah. point I mean I was actually going to ask what may sound like a silly question but is this a problem of literacy or is it because the uh, English is better understood and better known and therefore DL, you know, the DLP should actually be in those schools because the children there would actually meet the potential and you know, uh, thrive better with that in place? Yeah, because if you're just learning English at school, it's probably, what, 10% hmm. of the curriculum? Right. And if you add in the science and maths, it, it jumps up to, what, 20 to 30 percent right and i think if you're learning english sometimes you could be sitting in an english class and not speaking a word of english right because the teacher's doing all the talking mm. but mm. when you go into science mm. and maths you're forced to use the english language mm. Mm. you know and you have more 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 hours with the english language but i think beyond that i think we have to impress on the teachers their role of educating students because as they graduate they are the labor force mm. and if we are serious about going to the digital economy globally mm-hmm. Our kids have to learn the STEM in the English language. There's Mm. no two ways about it. Now, having highlighted the state of where we're at right now, let's talk about the challenges faced by the students, parents and teachers. What are some of these? Well, at the moment, we are in the midst of a crisis, actually, because there are two schools, two premier schools, which have been told they cannot have their DLP classes. This is uh, Convocate Nana's one primary school, and SK Bukit Damansara. These mm. are two premier schools in Kuala Lumpur. They have, from 2016, been 100% DLP schools, which means that in CBN1, there are only two classes, 
two classes at every level mm. and in standard one both classes are supposed to be in English mm. and in SK, SK Bukit Damansara it's six classes in standard one six class all six classes have been DLP since 2016 mm-hmm. so these schools two schools have been 100% DLP mm. Since 2016, teachers are very happy teaching English. But suddenly, this year, they started off with English. All the English textbooks were given to the students. They were starting already mm. teaching English. Two months down the road, the principals get a verbal instruction to say that you must have at least one non-DLP class in these 100% DLP schools, no matter what. Mm. So overnight, the principals took away the textbooks in English, loaded them with textbooks in Bahasa Malaysia from other schools because they don't sell, they themselves don't have textbooks in 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 BM because they've never been uh, right. they've never had any non-DLP classes. Mm. Right. So overnight it became non-DLP and this is why the uh, the parents are, are, are protesting. They want mm. this two classes to be returned. And so far we made some headway because mm. one one the English department has said yes you met all the criteria and you we support that you return to the not to the DLP classes. Mm. But we still it's still not happening on the ground. Right. So since May, since the May when the PTAs wrote to the ministry mm-hmm. until now, uh, we're now in August, these kids are still being taught in BM. Is this issue being faced by other schools? as well not that we know of i right. think sk taman mega had a problem with this but the parents fought so hard mm. that the principal didn't dare but right. i think the principal will attempt the same next year it depends on how how strong the parents are going to be next year who makes this decision is what i'm trying to figure out as well because it changed so this change has to come from somewhere we haven't been able to pinpoint it because it is a verbal instruction which the principals aren't even supposed to act on it but these two principals have but there's not even a circular right. but since all this has been happening apparently a circular has been has been released dated 11 august and apparently it's quite vague and we're not sure how this is going to affect us so we're going to wait to see what happens next hmm. gosh that must be extraordinarily difficult for the students as well as the parents and teachers Extremely. as well yeah the teachers are fine with teaching english right it's mm. just they just need to be able to have the directive that allows them to continue teaching what they were already teaching without having this change having been made and the uncertainty of where the instruction had initially come from even without any proper documentation yeah the light breakfast with asha and terry and education is what we're focusing on this week in state of the nation and more specifically the dlp or dual language program with our guest founder of the parent action group for education malaysia better known as page datin nor azima I use this word because I can't think of anything other that sort of describes it. But with all of the potential flip-flopping that's happening and the, the ease at which the changes happen, or maybe I should say the fast pace, what does Paige foresee as some of the potential consequences if the DLP is actually completely phased out? Well, God forbid that it will happen, mm. you know. But we will probably go back into back to Malay medium school where only English is taught in schools and i think this is bad because we are a trading nation even even the language the official language of asean is the english language mm. it's not bahasa indonesia you know and n- neither is it bahasa melayu even though you know our ex prime minister tried <laughs> but you know we ha- we no again you know the means, mean, the the government is talking about going digital mm. the language of the digital economy is english yeah 
you know it's not even mandarin for that matter mm. and if you even look at even look at china the number of english speaking chinese are more than the population of malaysia i think right is there an argument being made where instead of having an either or is an argument being made to put emphasis on both the languages on both english and bm equally so so that we develop our skills in both these languages is there any effort in in that path or making any headway in that direction Well, I think the effort has 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 always been there, except that with BM you have so many more subjects in BM. Right. In the English language is just that ten to fifteen percent. Mm. You know, but then it's not just that. You know, it's it's uh, what you must look at what is being written in these languages. Mm. You know, STEM is written in in the English language. Medicine is written in the English language, and anything, anything scientific is written in the English language. What is written Bahasa Melayu? Ghost stories. You know. You just go to the bookshops to see what the bestsellers are. Right. Uh, ghost stories and ghost stories. So it, even in that direction, there's no. There should be more of an effort made to, at the very least, translate more uh, works that are considered academic into the Malay language. Yeah, but the problem is that we haven't got the translators. We mm. haven't got the scientific translators to do that in a matter of three days, like the Japanese mm. do it. Are there efforts being made in in this respect as well? Then I do think we know? it's I think it's very difficult because again it gets obsolete. You know, things becomes things in STEM got get obsolete in days sometimes. Mm, yeah. You know, so it's better to learn it immediately. You know, with the internet, you can learn things with, within minutes. New things within minutes, you know. But if you haven't haven't got a handle on on the English language, then you, you're lost. You know, you're you're it's just not because you haven't got the proficiency in the language. Then you you push yourself away from reading things that are beneficial to you. Hmm. Now it sounds like all parents are going to have to prepare for many different possibilities because there is no certain outcome that will come of this at the moment. So preparing for Either way, or what's going to happen in the future of the education of their children seems to be something all parents need to consider. What is Paige fighting for right now at this point? Well, at this point today is DLP. That's it. Just making sure that the DLP yeah. because, actually yeah. because uh, it can worsen, and if we don't uh, continue to uh, persevere. We're gonna see a Malay medium school all over again, and it's absolute U-turn. Mm, absolute U-turn. How? Does that impact us as a country, as a people, individual and state? Economically, because again, we are a trading nation. We have to trade. We are not like Indonesia where we can just you know do business among ourselves because we we are a young population and we haven't got the size of the population like 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 Indonesia. Mm. And if you know you have China being superpower number two, you have India, and then China being superpowers number three and four. We are going to enjoy the spillover effects of all this because we're surrounded by India, China, and Indonesia. Right. And if we are going to trade with these with these superpowers, we need the English language. That is the common language. And you know, if we want the FDIs, it's the English language which will bring the FDIs. What is FDI? Foreign direct investments. Which is what we we are struggling for now, especially yep. with all of our industrial zones that. Not everyone seems to be populating as quickly as yep. uh, we would like. Well, we've got Amazon as Tesla coming in. Yes. Why? Because of the English language. Mm. Mm. As a result of all of these challenges and and unsurety, if is that even a word? Unsurety. Um, there seems to be an exodus for private or alternative education. How does this impact the push for improvements in the public education system? Private education is expensive. Most mm. people can't afford it. 
Yeah. And I think 90, what, 90% of parents still send their children to national schools. Mm. Let's face it, parents can't afford it. So I think the only way around this is that parents have to ensure that they get what they, you know, what they want from national schools. And I think the national schools have potential. We have, our children have potential and parents have aspirations for their children. I am the product of a national school, so please look at me <laughs> and remember that yes, you can make something of yourself as long as our education system allows us and gives us the tools that we need, yeah. Absolutely. So I, I'm pro-national school. I think uh, parents should send them na- their, their children to national schools and I think national schools should be parents' first choice. It's in primary school, that's where uh, children build a foundation. They build friends. They make memories, mm. you know. And, and, and for parents, it's, it's where you probably save and uh, save for children's tertiary education. This is, the, this is the time for you to start saving for your children's tertiary education because if you're spending so much Uh, in primary school, there'll be nothing left when the children are ready to go to tertiary. Is it being affected? You Do you see the effects of it already? Having more and more kids being sent by their parents to a private education because they have lost faith, perhaps, in the public education. Do you see it happening more and more in your experience? Definitely, definitely. Because um, if you even if you, there are also more choices now. Instead of just directly international, you have the home schools now. Yep. You have the learning centers, you have mm. tuition centers, you have private right, versus international. And there's also the, among the Malay parents, it's, it's the Islamic uh, schools, mm. which probably emphasize more on English. Right. Do you think that the fact that, you know, parents are sort of feeling that they're, they're forced to make this decision leaves behind a, a sort of vacuum of more vocal... Support. Supportive yeah. parents who, if they stayed within the government system, would be able to sort of push for the changes that Page is fighting for or the Add DLP. Add to the collective voice, right? Uh, yeah. And make things happen faster, quicker. Definitely, because uh, again, you know, 90% of parents can't afford private education. So mm. I think if they want to make something of their children's education, they have to they have to fight for it. And I think the parent voice is very important and it's quite sizable as well. And I think the Ministry of Education cannot ignore the parents' voice because we are a stakeholder. Thank you so much for um, taking this time to speak with us today on this topic. Um, we are, have been speaking to the founder of the Parent Action Group for Education Malaysia, better known as Paige, Datin Nor Azima. If you'd like to listen to this again, you can find it on the Light Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S-Y-O-K.